When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Guy, Nick Mason's source full of secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Are, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Control Store. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then right. I did come up with uh, Nick Mason's source full of secrets. You did, and in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's Is You Boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that. So... Join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to just before Dark Side of the Moon. It goes up to 1972, with all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never mm. heard, stuff that no one's ever Echoes, heard, frankly. Obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you and, know, uh, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum Opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I never met Magnum. Was he was... <laughs> Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hello, Gary. Hello, Guy. So it's a North London derby today. <laughs> You're not going to be intimidated, are you, by the fact there's, there's the, the Camden and Islington boys? Me? No, I'll be just feeling very smart. Where, where, where were you from? Where, where, what part of London? Where did you grow up? Waterloo. Waterloo, of course. Waterloo. I'm saff. Saff. And, well, there's two ways of looking at it, because Waterloo is such a funny place, is that either, I'm either from South London or I grew up in the shadow of the National. You <laughs> did. <laughs> yes, I think that's more you, isn't it, really? Yeah, I, was born, but I was born in a flat between the old and young Vicks. Ah, so surprisingly, I never really knew much about Suggs. I never kind of bumped into him at all. I mean, in the 80s, I don't remember sort of meeting up with Madness or doing a Top of the Pops with them. But but Chrissy Boy, I did know because he, he was he's three years above me at the, at the same school. He, he was rather mean oh. to the young violinist. It was quite quite the school yours, it was. wasn't it? It's got quite the, uh, quite the alumni. He was. He was rather mean to the young violinist, Neil Barnes, that was in my class. He was the only kid who played violin. And used to bring the violin into school, and obviously that kind of riled Chris Foreman. This, this <laughs> kid, how dare he play a violin? And I think he picked on him a bit. It turns out that Neil Barnes ends up becoming also uh, successful in, in music uh, in a band called Left Field. Oh, right. Oh, well, there you so go. So there's another. Uh, not playing the violin, though. Not playing the violin. Playing synthesizers and, the, and stuff. And decks. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so there's going to be some Cockney jives and. Japes and um, some oi oi savaloy savaloy have a la di da it'll be great Do you know what I play because I've played with Suggs only once and you know I've played with every type of band in front of every type of audience and this was a thing with Andy Mackay it was a charity thing to raise money to repair the roof of his local cricket club pavilion down in Somerset <laughs> and um, I've never said and it was just a field of people you know a few hundred people and as soon as we did the madness songs I've never seen anything like this where people just bounce. Yeah. It's an extra. And you think that's what Suggs has looked out on his whole life. Just this weird thing of bouncing people <laughs> like sort of weebles. Where you, you with the with the Pink Floyd fraternity, it's rather sort of serious people, isn't it? Always. Yeah. Sort of a lot of swaying. With binoculars looking at guitar settings and tricks. <laughs> Fly dentists. <laughs> exactly. Not to besmirch the wonderful Pink Floyd fraternity. Uh, so I suppose we should get him on. Welcome to the Rock on Tours. Okay, guys, I'm ready. Well, that's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. That caused a big problem in the band, actually. 
I was having too much fun. Thank you guys for still being around, still making music, still being into it, and doing this podcast. It, it's uh, it's fabulous. Well, I get the feeling that us three should go for a pint. That's what I think. I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah. It's, it's get good at something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters Podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Keep on rocking! Hello, mate. Hello, Suggs. All right, mate. Great. Hey. Suggs, thanks for doing this in your living... Getting our producer (laughs) to come round to your living room or kitchen. What I love is I've known Ben for a long time from Virgin Ah. Radio days. Uh, I Um, wonder, because I don't think this this service has ever been offered to anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) What I loved... What I loved is we left Virgin a long, long time ago, both of us doing a bit of DJ, but they asked him to come back as veteran DJ. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> 39 years old, for fuck's sakes. He's this generation's Alan Freeman. <laughs> ben Fluff Jones. <laughs> Here I am, 63 and a half, you know what I mean? And he's a veteran. Anyway, this is the way it is. Yeah, well done on the album. Yeah. Well done oh, on cheers. the album. Thank you, thank you, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a, you know, there's a real concept feel to it. I love the sort of theatre of the absurd opening and uh, the, the the mention of Samuel Beckett. I mean, what what brought that all together? Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to go on about it. Can you hear me all right? Because I can't yeah. hear myself much in these headphones, Ben. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, we got you. We got you. You got me? Okay, fine, fine, that's fine. We didn't want to go on about it, but we all realised we went through a rather sort of tricky few years didn't we we locked down and pandemic and all that and we'd all written songs that were about that period of our lives so we couldn't escape it but I was reading about that period of Samuel Beckett and there was this whole movement of the theatre of the absurd which culminated in a French outfit who actually wrote plays in gobbledygook because they were going yeah. no one's actually communicating anymore yeah yeah <laughs> you know and it sort of started to feel like we weren't communicating anymore you know as a society because you kind of hit that well there's a hint of that in the press for the album so like it's because lots of people went down all sorts of rabbit holes <laughs> yes. I, get, I get the feeling maybe there are some members of the band who are having other opinions than other ones <laughs> totally you know i mean we almost felt completely to pieces in terms of what we're all going on about but it was like a microcosm of society that everyone had a completely different opinion of why and what and what was going on and why we were doing what we were doing i remember i think it was caitlin moran the girl from the times wrote this article about how the middle ground sort of disappeared didn't it It just got scorched and burned and and you just weren't allowed to share any opinions with anybody else or, or or see two sides of an argument yeah, but, but fortunately, when we got back in a rehearsal room together, um, that's what happens, you know, with music. It, it, it's, it's an amazing healer of so much, you know, of, of societies. But even even though you say about the theatre of the absurd being how it felt during the pandemic, and obviously that's when you were writing stuff. There's also I can listen to to some of the lyrics on that album and that opening song and feel that it's also about celebrity and it's about the ridiculousness of of what us three you know, go through, have gone through, you know. The doors the doors are closed and we can't get out, you know. <laughs> a dozen roses, no one sense. <laughs> and, and so, We're getting there. No, you might be right there. I'm sure there's, you know, psychiatrists more, more <laughs> qualified than you that would probably agree. Yeah, maybe, mate. You don't know unconsciously, do you, what you're really going on about. I mean... It wasn't specific. It was yeah about being trapped in the theatre, and um, not quite knowing how or when you're going to get out. I mean, it's like a sax player Lee said, "When can we retire?" <laughs> Just can't. <laughs> it's the um, is it the Eagles? You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. No, what yeah. I like about the sound of the record as well is there is this kind of great sense of victoriana about it which is in sort of imbued in so much of your work you know and and that sort of anarchic sort of london streets that are very sweeney todd and it seems to be that's that's the kind of madness that you've 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 connected to for a long time yeah i mean you know we all follow our different threads don't we i mean for us you know our biggest influences were ray davis and ian jury you know and i never really knew anything about Music hall until Ian Jury came along, and um, 
But funny enough, and then that theatre of the absurd, the whole sort of faded grandeur of those old theatres or, or, or music halls, I've always been attracted to, and I don't know why, really. We can hear you fine, so we can. Hear I don't you. sound like I'm ranting, like a shouting lunatic. Then no. <laughs> Good. That's kind of what we're after. Well, yeah. well, well, well that'll, make a, that'll make a change. I think that was when I bumped into you in Soho, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, because yeah, you're talking about Jury and the musical, because it, he was around with you guys before you were Madness, right? Wasn't it? You kind of got to know him. Wasn't there's a story of, um, was it one of you hanging upside down by his turnips? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Kilburn and the High Roads. And yeah. It was like, who wouldn't want to see a band called Kilburn and the Highways and Leo saxophone? I was too young. I kept getting blanked at the doors of Roxy Music, Kilburn and the Highways, because I was too young. I was just that little bit younger than the rest of them. But Lee bunked in through a window backstage and it had one of them prongles, you know, that holds the uh, thing me, Bob. And he got his turn ups caught and he was hanging upside down when he and Julie came what? in. <laughs> It was the Tally Ho pub in, uh, just off Kentish Town, which, unfortunately, like so many of those pubs, has gone now. But is this before punk? Yeah, it is. This is. Yeah, it, was this pub, is. it was pub rock, wasn't it? It was pub rock, so yeah. 74, 75, yeah. yeah, yeah Plummet yeah. Airlines, the original oh. Gorillas. Oh, I can't remember the rest Curzel of them. Kersal Flyers. Kersal Flyers. Dev School, my wife's band. Bringley yeah. Swartz. Brinsley Swartz. No, he was earlier. He was earlier. He was... They might have been a bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ducks Dr. Deluxe. Dr. Dr. Feelgood, Ducks Deluxe. Bearded Lady. Plummet Airlines. But, you know, go back to what you said about, you know, being into the music hall and those old places. There was a sort of... And I, I grew up, actually, my dad, that was my dad's era. Do you know what? I'll tell you a side story, right? The, yeah, go the, on. My, my family, my, my, when my dad and his brother Percy were small, their dad couldn't get, make any money because he'd, he'd, he'd been injured in the First World War and then he had, so he had disability. But, he, but their grandfather drove, drove a handsome cab. In his, they were, this is in Islington. But to make side money, they bagged up sweets and peanuts and, s yeah. and went down. The whole family, my dad and his brother and mum and dad, and sold them outside Collins Music Hall. So, you know, I've always been in show business. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the pavement outside, that's all it but, is. But what, what I was trying to get around to saying was that obviously there's a sense of old London and nostalgia that's in that. And that always seems to be imbued in your work. Even right back to your earliest songs. I mean, Baggy Trousers was a, yeah. was a song written by a young man, nostalgically, or, or you know, about his yeah. youth. Was that looking yeah. back, or was that actually just felt like it was the other day when you wrote that? You know what I'm saying? When you wrote about the schoolyard. Well, well, there was two things on that particular song. One was, yeah, this was the influence that Ian Dury I was getting from. He was writing these lists of, 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 of aspects of his life and, and, and turning them into, into a narrative. And I can't remember why I was thinking about that school I went to. And then it was that Pink Floyd song, Teacher Leave Them Kids Alone, come on. And I thought, hang on a minute. Kids leave their flipping teachers alone, is what I can remember. <laughs> so that just started a process. And I just thought it'd be nice to... It did yeah. seem two sides of the same coin, those, those two songs. But that's what I'm trying to say, but yeah, but I thought it'd be nice to make it fairer, you know, that it wasn't all, you know, we were picked on and they were, you know, I don't know, extraordinarily aggressive weirdos, most of my teachers, unfortunately. But at the same time, we didn't make life easy for them. I know that much, yeah. You know, I, I, I first, when I first went to my uh, primary school when I was 11, my mum, parallels were really fashionable. They were sort of happening, right? parallel yeah. trousers but my mum yeah. my mum just bought me a pair of school trousers <laughs> that were two sizes too big for me because she wanted me to grow into them and I was so embarrassed but what I had to do is I had to go around and tell everyone they were parallels and the latest fashion <laughs> so when baggy trousers came out I completely related to it well that was it and you know and, and it's ironic that, that it had a sort of Dickensian undertone and that's what people thought but what I really meant was the Oxford bags from Woodhouse, yeah, you know, with the yeah, five yeah, buttons right. and all that, and the pockets down by your knees. What? But um, it's funny how... It, <laughs> and your three-star tank top. That's it, mate. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Three-star jumper up your back. He's a woolly back. Um, 
Yeah, Woodhouse. God, I remember there. Woodhouse, yeah, Oxford Street. Yeah, I, we used to we used to get our clothes at, at, at Woodhouse. The waistcoats and the, the soul boys. And it was all that. It's like, okay, look, we're going to nick a few bits and bobs. Let's all split up, all right? And my mate went, yeah, yeah, come on, let's do that. Next thing I see him running with a whole rail of coats out of Woodhouse. <laughs> Down he Oxford said, Street. He said, keep it quiet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> did they? They didn't catch you. <laughs> no, they didn't. It was two. It was, it was one fat security guard just couldn't keep up. He was going like a packet of crackers. Well, it was hard to run in your in your toppers or whatever <laughs> shoes you're wearing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I just sorry, guy. I'm sort of busting in with my own. No, please, here. please, go please, ahead, go ahead. No, no, I wasn't. No, no, you were going. I, I didn't have anything. I got nothing. I got nothing. You're North London. I, I was. I was South London. It was I, th I think you know. This is so. This is a little interesting thing. So for me, as I, I sort of after punk, I sort of went a bit soul boy, and Woodhouse yeah. was definitely a place yeah. to to dress for me. What was the music that you were listening to? Because you you didn't. Your band were only a few years after that. Yeah, well, funny you say that, Gary. Yeah, because I remember that sort of distinct moment. A lot of my pals were soul boys because that's you know that was what was happening you know and and but I, I'm going to the Roxy you know where where punk oh yeah historically supposedly started there were very few punk records and we weren't really into punk music but Don Letts was the DJ oh, yeah and there weren't many punk records so he was playing reggae records throughout the night and that's what we started to get into reggae and then ultimately going back into ska and all that. But I wonder what I remember. Do you remember the pub to Champion on yeah, Upper on, Street? Uh, uh, yes, yeah. I used to go there. That was the a Soul Boy pub. That yeah, was a Soul there, Boy there pub. There in the Tibbet and Arms. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Tibbs. And like, we was all like that. And then sometimes the Soul Boys would come out of the um, Champion and we knew we were in a bit of trouble. Yeah, you know, for all the <laughs> Crombies and Bother Boots and all that. They was like all scaffolders, weren't they? And boxers. Yeah. The yeah. Soul Boys. Yeah, yeah well, so Islington <laughs> had a few naughty gangs. Yeah, right. <laughs> it certainly did. The Packington Estate, yeah, yeah, all that, all that, all that, all that, yeah. But in terms of what you're listening to, because I remember I saw your one-man show and you would say how, like, um, It Must Be Love, Lavi Sifre, was something yeah. that you were listening to at that time, which seems yeah. quite, that's, like, quite a broad mix, considering, you know, you just Well, I think, you know, I mean, it, it was very sort of delineated, but really, when you look back, we were all listening to a very eclectic selection of music. Certainly in my band, you know, from Motley Upal to Alex Harvey to Ian Jury to Reggae to Scott to Soul to Al Green to da da da, you know, Marvin Gaye, all of this stuff was in the firmament. But then you kind of had a little scene, didn't you? And your little scene kind of dictated what you were allowed to say you liked. Yes. So obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, straight trousers was a big thing, you know what I mean? And, um, and not tearing your clothes up or safety pins. And then slowly you sort of get into this. I remember like, I had friends who were into sort of teddy boy music and then they went in, into rockabilly and then they went into bluegrass. It was almost like you had your own little thing that no one else could, you know, and, and do you know what I mean? I don't even really know why. I think you felt more kind of individual by, like we did. So we went from reggae to ska to rock steady to da 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 da, -da and backwards and backwards into that music and more and more obscure records that no one else could find. I think that was probably a lot to do with it. Well, you know, I listen. I've, yeah. without, without wanting to sound too pretentious, but that, why should I stop now? But you know, I feel like you know we were probably the first generation because my dad was conscripted. First generation that didn't have to wear a uniform, yeah, uh, uh, you know, legally, and. But all of us were looking for uniforms and, yeah. and tribes in different ways. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. I did the mod thing. My first band was a mod band. Was you know, yeah, that yeah. old '79 mod scene, and it was that same yeah. thing. Of, of you, you think you're being rebellious and outside and everything, but it's kind of, <laughs> but it's all been done for you. That's right. Yeah. That's you right. can listen to this and you can wear this, and it's like it's all done. We're all individuals. <laughs> exactly. yeah. uh, I'm not. <laughs> what, what did you want to be when when you when you were a kid? I mean, how did you grow up? You just grew up with your, living with your mum, didn't you? Sucks. I grew up living with my mum, yeah, she worked in bars and sang, she was a very good singer, but she never really made what she wanted to of herself. 
Did you want that bit of banana cake or what, Ben? I haven't cooked that one, nothing. Sucks, there's one little side thing here, because there's a thing about your childhood that I really recognise and love. You were saying, because like, she used to, when she wasn't singing, she'd work at the French, she'd work at the colony room. Yeah. Because I had the same thing. When my dad wasn't working, he'd fill in behind the bar at Jerry's. Yeah. So I used to sit with my comic down, you know, sit amongst all the actors and everything. So I, I very much recognise that childhood. It's brilliant. Well, no, Jerry, he's very clearly, yeah, 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 yeah. First time I ever had a, a Coca-Cola. First time I ever tasted an avocado. I remember it like it was <laughs> yesterday. And then going down the back of the seats of the sofa and you'd find a few 20 pences or whatever they were in those days. Thruppences. Raps. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> not, no, not in those days. I didn't. <laughs> Maybe now you would. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty disparate upbringing because my mum didn't get home till very late. But I was very full. Well, I wanted to go into art. I was, I was, I was quite good at drawing and painting, but I, I didn't get the qualifications to be able to get to art school. But I was so fortunate, I bumped into the band when I was sort of 15 or 16, and it took off pretty much as soon as I met them. By the time I was 18, I was on top of the pop, so... Because they already had a band, didn't they? They were the North London Invaders, were they? The North London Invaders. It's great, isn't it? (laughs) All the names were great. (laughs) But then it turned out there was another band called the Invaders. I mean, whatever happened to them, anyway. The snivelling shits, they were of the scene at the time as well. They, they retreated, I think. Sore throat, <laughs> supporting, I think, on that sort. But so when you bumped into them, had, uh, was that because you had similar music tastes? Or what, what, where was yeah, the place? Yeah, well, no, there was there was a few pubs. There was, there was the Duke of Hamilton in Hampstead, and we all gravitated up the hill from the lower slopes, the working-class slopes of Camden and Kentish Town. <laughs> Covered in soot. To the glorious, the glorious light of Hampstead. And I remember following a little saxophone player setting fire to the bins all the way up the hill like some medieval (laughs) tribe. But yeah, they had girls, yeah, and people who had parties and parents who were away for the weekend. So we used to hang about up there. Fridges, <laughs> fridges with food in them. You know what I mean? All that. Old libraries, terrible. libraries, bookshelves, <laughs> libraries, bookshelves. <laughs> records. I remember seeing this suitcase of records appearing down like on a piece of like sheet coming out the window and I knew it was at the top of it. <laughs> So what was that? How come you bumped into? What was they? Were they all your part of a? They were just around and about. This? And the other thing was graffiti. You know, this is a, a, a sort of, I think, sort of lesser known oh, bit yeah. of our history. You know, all the band were into graffiti. So I knew Mike Barson was doing. Mr. B did this huge three-dimensional train coming out of a wall in Hampstead, and then wow. Lee used to hang off bridges upside down doing kicks, and I was doing. And it was almost like a kind of. Uh, coded vernacular that you go oh you're mr b oh in your sugs and and so all of our nicknames became something that made us famous you know even in in in, in early stages Just before graffiti. it was tight but, yeah, yeah. but you said but if this is still 70s when you say graffiti this it was it not like the hip-hop graffiti was was it was... well no i mean it it, it 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 was still pretty rubbish but we decided yeah. that you know and then there was a book i remember george melly had the foreword of this book and it was something like the subways of New York. And suddenly we realised that there was a whole other world to this, you know, art form. <laughs> but, um, but Lee, Mike and Chris and them used to then walk across the overground, the um, North London line. Uh, the magic line or something. The magic it? line, the magic line, the magic line. And then in the morning you'd see all these amazing you know, things coming out of the walls, you know, and it was funny because I don't know how much, I think there's a bit of it recorded, but it, it, it wasn't like that, what you just see now is that sort of bubble stuff. Yeah. But the other famous memory I had, oh God, I'm on and on. But um, I was in Ivory Magistrate's Court and I can't remember why, it was something to do with a fray or a policeman, I booted up the arse or something stupid. But um, <laughs> I was in the juvenile court and my mum was having a fag out the window and she's looked out and there's Suggs in eight-foot letters on Ibrey and his little railway station. Wow. She's gone, isn't that that stupid name they call you? <laughs> I said, I don't know what you're on about, Brian. Who's <laughs> done that? Oh my God. So you saw yourself, in a way, as sort of larger-than-life cartoon characters. I'm get, you know, there was a sense... There of- is something of that going. It's interesting, you know, who knows exactly how and where, you know. Some of us went to school together, some of... But we gravitated just bit by bit from a sort of 
gang of probably about 30 different people from that area that were in similar situations. But I think music was the first thing. And I think graffiti then really sort of cemented the artistic kind of endeavour because... I mean, you know, there were so many people that were going to start bands, weren't they? Going to do this and going to do the other. But Mike, Lee and Chris and the whole thing started to coagulate sort of seriously because I think of art, fashion, music, all at the same time, it, it, it suddenly started to make sense. Oh, would you say that uh, the, the element I'd add to that is that I guess once you're up and running, the one thing that... that seems to be really common to you all that really binds you because it was the humor so stupid as fuck yeah no the humor because you think <laughs> you. you you think you that from so <laughs> yeah well I, chrissy boy went to my school ah i've, I've got look i had a look at his report two bright sparks come out two intellectuals come out there oh they? no yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, go on, guy, go on. Go on. No, so Sorry, it's, it's, I said, no, fine. it's the last one, it's, it's the humour, because that's the one brilliant thing that you project together, you know, especially when all the videos started. Well, I don't know, you know, whatever gets you going, you know, all yeah. the things get you going, don't they? But, you know, it wasn't just that as well, you know, the music hall thing, what we touched on, but that then led into, like, Samuel Beckett, uh, Tommy Cooper, who then returned out, you know, when you see Crap's last tape, we didn't realise he was actually a huge fan of Tommy Cooper. Tommy Cooper, you know, and then Tommy Cooper... Les Dawson, whatever. I mean, certainly self-deprecation, you know, self-deprecation. You know, we took the work very seriously, but we just didn't take ourselves very seriously. Yeah. And no, that but is I, what we tried to project. You know? What Guy's saying, I get, you know, it, there was, yeah. been a, there's a history of bands, yeah. like even the Beatles, who were always connected with comedy. You know, for yeah. them it was the goons. For us, it yeah. would have been Python. And, <laughs> yeah. But there's also funny elements in your band of, of, of like the sand dancers from Music Hall. Those two guys, I forgot what they're called. You know, uh, what were they called? Oh, that thing Betty... that Nick Mason always does. Yeah, Betty yeah, yeah. something one... and something, wasn't it? Yeah, there was yeah, three of them. Right, and I right. see them outside Leicester Square Odeon. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, Max Wall. Oh, Max Wall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, of course. Well, funny enough. One of them, do you remember Play For Today? And he wouldn't imagine that's the sort of thing we would watch. But, you know, when there wasn't much on... Well, everyone um, watched it. There was nothing else. I mean... So there was Crap's last tape, Samuel Beckett, and it was Max Wall was playing uh, Crap. And what? he goes, Spool. He says, Spool. And the word banana about 15 times in a row. And it's just hilarious. Just as a uh, aside, do you not fancy doing that, Suggs? What's that? Crap's last tape. <laughs> I do, actually. I'd love to do it. Well, That's a great should. idea. Well, it's, it's a one and it's a one and why why not? Funny that you know, just I don't know. You know, some things are so sort of intangible, untangible, intangible. You know, the, the, the correlation between Tommy Cooper and Samuel Beckett is perfect in my mind, even though you couldn't possibly join those two concepts together. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But, Surreality, we might say. We might. Well, yeah, we might say, I, I could see say. Maxwell's walk. <laughs> and in the and and the mad and the madness the the, 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 nuts, the nutty yeah. boy because where, where did that come from that that all that first album cover up whatever it you know I don't know I don't know but obviously from all that from all that in fact I've seen a photograph of seven musical artists all doing exactly what we did on the front cover of that first album and I hadn't seen that before. The other one I remember is this sort of what you call, what do you call it, Zeitgeist or whatever, is I'd never seen, there's a film of uh, the Kinks doing Dead End Street. In, oh, yeah, yeah, up in uh, Kentish Town, yeah, down that little yeah. side street, yeah, with the cough, coffin. Where fucking Lee That's Thompson what, yeah, yeah. lived, our saxophone player, oh, right? wow. And that was after... He's dressed up as a woman in the front door. They've got the coffin. Yeah. That was after we'd done the video for It wow. Must Be Love, wow. where we dressed up as a woman and had the coffin and all that. Cool. Now, you just can't, you know what I mean? It all gets too much, doesn't it, to try and extrapolate <laughs> what, what, why these things happen. They just are in the firmament one but, way or but another, I can, I can yeah, see yeah, you yeah. being bonded, you guys, on a sense of street humour, right? <laughs> I can see that, like, your gang kind of glued together with laughter. For sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately sometimes at other people's expense. But, you know, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? But, it, but that thing, like you said, which starts with that, you know, that because actually I've got to say, that first up, that, that brilliant image of the seven of you. Yeah. 
the fun, still I think the funniest meme I've ever seen is uh, was that one when <laughs> Theresa May became prime minister and she went to meet the Queen and, she, and there's that picture of her doing that unbelievably awkward curtsy. <laughs> And someone I'm taking it the Abba dance, the Abba dance. Oh, oh, that, oh that's true. No, but oh. there's her doing this curtsy, and someone had just stuck the seven of you in front of her instead of the Queen. <laughs> and it's just the funniest image. No, there are a few of them now. I've got to say, I've got a few. Yeah, the people send them to me. Yeah, there's, there's Gorbachev. I can't remember where there's a few of them down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Didn't it strike you early on, though, that splitting the fees seven ways was quite a lot? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of people in a band, isn't it, Sucks? <laughs> it's funny you should say that, Gal. Yeah. Five, as, five as far as you were going to prepare to go, Gal. Five, yeah, I drew the line. I wasn't going to have anyone dancing getting paid. <laughs> no, but... no. Funny enough, I was doing something with Paul Weller recently, and my son-in-law's a huge fan. He went, it's all right for you, Paul, isn't it? You sacked your band off. <laughs> Well, there's only two of them. <laughs> and it is what I'm going to say. Imagine, I've got another six of them wrapped around me. Um, look, it's just the way we worked it out. I mean, what we did with the songwriting was after the songwriter, after the people who played on the record. And that's the way it's always been, for better or for worse. You know, that's just the way we, it's been. Well, that's good because you've got a few writers, haven't you? Well, we have everybody, yeah. Because Lee, so, wrote, Lee wrote the first song, didn't he? The, the first hit. You know, <laughs> he did. The Prince. <laughs> How does it take you seven years to do a new record, considering all six if you write songs? If you just wrote, like, two each, you could have an album in a year, surely. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, it ain't been like that, you know. It's, well, because yeah. Mike, Mike got the mantle, didn't he? He was always presented as sort of the main yeah. writer. It's yeah, funny but... that there's literally one, one lesser difference between his name and Bowie's Piano Genius. Yes, I know that, I know that, yeah. I know that, I know that. There's only one letter different between me and the slits. Oh, no, maybe two. Oh, hang on, no, three. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I did... was trying to think of something. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of Pudsy, Pudsy. Segs, yeah, yeah. Segs from the ruts. Jesus, if only I'd, well, you remembered. know, I was a, a pound yeah. behind him. Yeah, he gets mentioned every week on this show. Uh, when Suggs, when did you realise that actually you weren't on your own in this kind of love of Scar and this? There was a sort of a sensibility, a zeitgeist that was going right across the country. Well, but obviously in Coventry. Yeah, well, it was exactly that. It was funny enough in Islington, uh, 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 the Open Anchor, where we used to hang out and and you know had a sort of whatever, pub rock, new wave thing, Stiff was upstairs. Then one day, the specials walked in, you know, so seven guys from Coventry wearing pork pie hats and tonic suits, looking like us, sounding like us, slightly better than us. And we thought, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. Yeah, did you think you should, you'd have to kill them? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you said, didn't know whether to feel jealous or vindicated. Yeah. Bit sort yeah. of both. Like Jerry, I was talking to Jerry afterwards, and he, I don't know, you know, he, he, he's never had any teeth. And like, and if he wanted to have somewhere decent to stay after a gig, he basically was pulling a bird. And with them teeth, he ended up sleeping at my mum's flat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I swear, you know, and sometimes you think, 
But it wasn't. That I, he said to me at three in the morning, I'm going to start a record label. I'm going to start an English Motown. I said, don't you think that's a smidge optimistic, Jerry? See, you just played to 35 people in a pub basement. <laughs> and you've got no teeth. And you've got no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but six months later, he rang me up and said, look, I've done it. And it was just to make it, that is the zeitgeist. We'd just done our first demos. You know what that's like, Gary, where you just think, Jesus Christ, we're hanging on by our teeth here. Yeah. We can barely play these fucking instruments. Yeah. And we'd done the prints and madness, and it just sort of sounded all right, you know. And he went, yeah, I could just do with something to put out on two-tone, and that was it. He put the prints out, and it was a hit. It went into the top 20. And who else was there? There's specials? Who else was there? Selector. Selector, the beat, and then... Um, yeah, I never really well, saw the beat as doing the same sort of music, but I, I get it. Now, mostly it was the specials and the selector, yeah. Rank, Rankin Roger. Yeah. Rankin Roger, yeah, God rest his soul. I mean, so many of them gone, which is the saddest thing, yeah, 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 of, yeah. Of, of, of this time of our lives. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so then they, you went out on a tour, didn't you, with them? Yeah, so that was, yeah, the highlight of my life, the two-tone tour. So we all met up at the Roundhouse. I was 17, 16, 17. So there's a special selector. Then Dex's Midnight Runners came on the bus. Can you wow. imagine? Fucking what a scene. So anyway. I thought their whole thing was bunking trains. <laughs> what they, do you know what I mean? That was their whole thing, wasn't it? We're going on tour with bunking great. trains. So what, they, what are they doing on a bus? Well, you can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. We well, used they, to bunk trains. Carrying their to... bowling ball bags, isn't it? That's bowling right. With, with, with nothing in them. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Bobble hats. Uh, how, how did you and Kevin get on? I mean, listen, you, Kevin, Chaz, and and, yeah. and Jerry, I mean, that's some serious Well, blokes. we all went a bit haywire, you know, and I think any one of those human beings will tell you it wasn't always completely in control. Well, also, there's but, just so many people in your bands. I mean, how many people were on that bus? Well, there you go. <laughs> hundreds. There were hundreds. But I remember yeah. it was delineated by the fact that the people who drank were at the front, the people that took amphetamines were in the middle and the people who puffed were at the back. <laughs> so you can guess where we were. Running up and down that aisle. <laughs> Chickens in a hem run. Oh, my God. Uh, but it just, you know, and it was all that, you know, Rico and all these proper old, you know, professionals. And then there's us. And we were like the sort of clowns of the operation. Not, you know, just we were the youngest. You know, we were the youngest. And to us, it was... Just a non-stop party, you know, and, and, and that's what it's like when you're that age, isn't it? Yeah. But and you said, but the thing that kind of drove you away from Two Town was just the regional aspect, wasn't it? You were just well, there's a bit of that, but also yeah. that you know, Two Town very specific. It was to promote the music of Jamaica ska music, right. which we loved and still do. But we just felt with other things we wanted to do that wouldn't fit in, you know. Like all the musical thing and all variety or, or kinks and the injury. And then just Stiff just turned up out of the blue and it was just the perfect place for us because it was equally creative and free and um, what's the word they used to say? You know, it's not a conglomerate, it's a... Collective, I think. You know, a free uh, record label. There's a word. There's a word for it. Anyway, it wasn't. Yeah, because Je but, Je the sense of being with Jerry, you know, Jerry, I would have thought would have wanted his band to succeed the most, right? He was always going to be on top. But with uh, Dave Robinson, right? That's, that's right. Stiff, that's right. You know, you had a proper A and R man who just wanted your success. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think. I think. I think. I, 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 again, you know, it's so far away that I can't remember exactly the details. But I just remember we didn't feel like we wanted to stay on two tone. We went and had a look at all the other record companies and they were horrible, all the big ones, you know. And then independent, that's the word. We bumped right, into right. Dave. And at that point, Dave had Elvis Costello, Ian Dury, our hero, Kirsty McCall, the Pogues, the Damned. It was just like, wow, this is a place to be, you know, for, Nick, for, for Nick Mavericks. Lowe, Nick Lowe was there, wasn't he, as well? Nick Lowe was there as yeah. well, yeah. So it was just full of... It was ironic because most of those artists hadn't been able to get a deal with the, major, with the major record labels, even though it was it, yeah, picking up the, the waves and strays. And in fact, it, it was the most perfect place to be. And he was such a dynamic guy. You know, all of those videos that we made were all his 
dynamism yeah. really that he could see that there was something in the band that was visual comic comically or or, or or dramatically or whatever you call it but um he definitely drove the four, you know the bus yeah and we, we we were very happy to be on that bus yeah did you go on any of those stiff tours we, did, we just missed it yeah it up, yeah we did one on a train which is the one we missed um and then he was trying to buy a DC-10 or something. And we was just going, do you really think you should buy an aeroplane? <laughs> a record company should buy an aeroplane. I think I'd seen, like, who was it? You know, Linus Ginnard or something. He bought That's their right. own aeroplane and come oh, well, barely no, they, unstuck. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because Reckless Eric, I remember, there was some documentary was really oh! unhappy really unhappy about all that stuff was it like there was a thing about putting everyone's record out on the same day yeah and everything he didn't he did not like that he thought no it would would all become about the label rather than the people on it i love my label my label loves me (laughs) ask nick low about that yeah he's always yeah go on no did did, was it them that put you together with langer win stanley because because that was a a massive relationship clive and, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, uh, them. Now, what what did they do then? Come on, here's your question. Gloria, ten. What? Gloria. There you go. Them. Van Morrison. Yes, he put us together. Van. He came and he said, "Here, guys." I said, "Where are you?" It was down there somewhere like that. I said, "Van, <laughs> stand up." He said, "I am." No, you, you, you were Dev School fans, weren't you? Already, or well, you were? Didn't you know them before? Well, yeah, Dev School again. Yeah. It was a bit like the um, Kilburn and the High Roads thing. Yeah. They started playing in pubs in Camden Town, and just for some peculiar reason. Then they played at the Roundhouse. We all went to see them. They were huge influence on us. But that again was just pre-punk. It was like seventy-five, seventy-five. That's right. Seventy-five. And punk, yeah. punk blew them out of the water because yeah. they were a seven-piece band, theatrical. You know. And and then all of a sudden you had to be three or four people, but then you know just couldn't hang on. If they just lasted till seventy eight, they would have been all right when we started, because the you know the whole thing had, had changed its dimension. Yeah, but, yeah, because you're right. Because there, there was a sense of you know it went from the theatrical and art school to yeah. ang- to anger, expressing anger. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's But that's something you you never you never did, you guys, did you? It was never about anger. No, no, no. And, and you know. You know, fastings went it'd be one summer, wouldn't it? Probably only 76, 77, very brief period. Yeah. And then it was sort of like, yeah, yeah, it's all right, right, you can sort of calm down a bit now. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, not calm down energetically, but calm down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you know, the whole two-tone thing, which is the same energy as punk, but it was just a more positive outlook mm-hmm. as to what you were trying to say and what you're trying to express. I mean, not positive, but not angry. Well, yeah, multicultural, just... for sure. Well, that's for sure, that's for sure. But but going back to Lang and Win Stanley, because I just yeah, oh, yeah, how, yeah. How your relationship developed through them, because they came out of deaf school, right? And then... And then... Yeah, so, so Clive was the lead guitarist, songwriter in deaf school. Who, well, my, wife's band, my, my wife was in that band, deaf school, who I met. And we saw them a few times, and they were great, and it just never quite made it. And then Alan and Stanley... He'd done some work. I think he'd done the Stranglers. That's right, yeah. But then he did Knock on Wood by Amy Dubry. Grant. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like, hang on a minute, he's, he must be quite interesting if he does the Stranglers and Knock on Wood by Amy whatever. Disco business. And it just worked out that perfect combination that Clive was a sort of uh, ideas, you know, construction, arrangements, key changes... And Alan was just a really good engineer, and the pair of them just really hit it off. I yeah. mean, and they went on to have so many, I mean, make so many great records, not just ours. Although ours were the best, obviously, but, you know, they made some other good ones. And no, no, well, we worked with them. Well, I, I did more of that work. We worked with them together on a film with Gary. I'm yeah, very crazy. nice people. Very nice. Look, fantastic. I, I loved it. What life. was the film? Uh, still Crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Nye. But in yeah. fact, I played, I played with you with Clive, um, Suggs, we one of the most brilliant, hilarious gigs. Do you remember we did that charity 
fundraiser for lovely Andy Mackay's. It was Wasn't Andy it? Thing. It was to raise the money. Roxy Madness or Madness Roxy. Ro- Roxy, Roxy Madness. It was fantastic. And it's like terrible. Andy Mackay calls up, says, I've got this charity thing. And you think, oh, some great thing. And it was to raise the money to get a new roof for the pavilion of his local <laughs> cricket, cricket club. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I don't think but, we managed it, mate. I think, uh, uh, I think but, we still owe them. I will say so about playing playing those songs with you. It is, I mean, I've played to every sort of audience in the world, but playing those madness songs, see the way people they bob up and down. I mean, no, I know you had a fucking earthquake. Uh, uh, madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it must be an amazing thing that you look out to every night. It is literally Gareth's sea of people just bobbing. It's amazing. Well, it, 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 you know. Uh, I don't do it as often as I used to, which sort of makes it a bit more fun. But when I do, I, I, I genuinely believe I enjoy it more. Yeah. Funny enough, I was Chris Sullivan, you know him, yeah, Gary, don't you? Yeah, 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 and he came down and he, he doesn't give a fuck about madness. Of course he don't. But he went, he said, it was just like unbridled joy. Now, that's not a bad phrase, is it, to have fun yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. And um, people just really dig it. You know, you can't context, you can't quantify it, yeah. you can't take it away. You know, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, then, you know, someone else will. But And that was that was the thing about what you were doing, because it, it was so joyous that, yeah. uh, and, and comic, but in a in a very sensitive, melancholic way, that you, um, it was hard to ever be against madness, no matter what other <laughs> tribe you were in. You know, you, you, you couldn't not like madness. No, thank you very right? much. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, take that as a backhanded compliment. No, of course I do, mate. No, because of course we all hated each other. Yeah, of course we were all in competition. But I don't know what it was that made us have this sort of weird moral compass that... I don't know. I really honestly don't know. I can't explain it. Right, well, you've had you enough now. You've had enough now. You've had enough. Look, come on. No, 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 no. Uh, the, 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 the other thing is, is, is how many fantastic singles you had. When you started, did you see yourself as... That was your aim to be a singles band because there was a, there was a lot of artists out there just wanted to make great albums, weren't they? But uh, you know, we get to absolutely, and it's like just tons of the things. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. And and it was funny that again, it was a funny um, anomaly of Dave Robinson's that he said, "Why don't you?" Because no, of course we wanted to have it albums, but we weren't. The albums were doing all right, but the singles were doing much better. The singles were selling millions, you know. He said, we'd do a compilation of, of your singles. We went, but at that point, only people who were dead do compilations yeah. of their singles. <laughs> I said, give us a chance, Dave. But anyway, you know, he said, look, we put out Complete Madness compilation album for Christmas, and it was our biggest selling album. So it was obvious that that was where it was headed. You know, the singles were... But did, what, you, find them e- did you find them easy to write, or was there... It was very hard, mate. I mean, you know, who knows about that creative process. I mean, we, I remember finding out absolutely, we had no singles at all. I remember a, a blackboard and I could see, like, there's nothing on there that looks like a hit, right? We had all the titles of the songs written down. And then that's when I wrote Baggy Trousers. And then Mike walked in with embarrassment. And it was like, just at the end of the session, who would have known it? Do you know what I mean? That those two songs pop up. You just don't know. You really don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I do think that we always had an aspiration not to worry about whether we had a hit single. You know what I mean? Trying to write a hit single is, is a job, isn't it? It's not a job what we do. It's fun. You know, what's fun is, is, is just seeing what happens, you know. I mean, embarrassment, embarrassment. No chorus. It's not the title's not even in the fucking song. What is yeah. that about? It's just a great big saxophone solo with chords going all over the gap. It's not, a, it's not a chorus. But it was a spirit, great spirit in it. Mm. But uh, do you think you're saying that, seeing as you were such a singles band? I mean, you, you made some great comment a while back about you split up in 86 to give some other people a chance <laughs> yeah. to catch up. To have more, as many hit singles in the 80s, and no one did. <laughs> we but were in the play... charts more than anybody else. We gave them four years to catch up. Anyway. <laughs> but then, but then Tough the, shit. In your act two, if you will, the sort of madness in the, yeah. it's big. You've now you now do these very ambitious, sort of sprawling concept albums. Yeah, you know, I mean, the Liberty of Norton Folgate. I mean, yeah. brilliant. And Be- then the new one that you know, it's like you've become a sort of prog version of yourself. Exactly, progressive <laughs> pop. 
That's it, yeah. my <laughs> progressive pop. We didn't intend to. But I think, you know, other thing has been that we've always tried to expand our horizons, you know, not in a huge way, you know, but if you think, you know, we did Calypso songs, we did a bit of jazz, we did a bit of rock, we tried to sort of keep it moving. And then it was almost inevitable that we'd start writing songs that were a little bit longer and a little bit more fucking boring. No, a little <laughs> bit progressive. <laughs> and certainly Norton Folgate really changed the whole horizon for us because we were getting sucked into a sort of uh, 80s nostalgia thing and we had to get out of that, yeah, if we wanted to live. Where did that idea come from? Because it's, it's brilliant. Also, I didn't really, you know, it's like this sort of free state in the middle of London, <laughs> isn't it? Like... Yeah, I just picked up a book. I can't remember. It was by an old vicar who was working in Shoreditch and um, I don't forget the name of it now, but he just talked about the liberty of Norton Folgate and I didn't realise there were a number of liberties that were outside the walls of, 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 of uh, London where you could do what you wanted. And um, yeah, it struck me as something very interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't mind a couple of people I could think of on you know, <laughs> top of my head, but I wouldn't personally. <laughs> but... <laughs> But they just survived uh, in a very odd way. Um, and there's not very little record. There's very little record because they weren't, they were like, it literally like sort of hillbillies, you know, living outside the walls of society. So it's very like, like that place in, um, in, in, is there a place in Denmark? There's a, there's a, there's a. Oh, no, Christians. But yeah, Christians. Christians yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, although this is very, it's very, it's very Peter Ackroyd sort of thing, isn't it? It, it is so, for sure, yeah, because yeah. he is a London historian well, is, as yeah, opposed exactly. to a Danish historian, yes. <laughs> but he, Guy just jumped into your second act, but I just wanted to, you know, did, in 86 there was, a, there was a split. Did you feel that you didn't have, you'd kind of run your, all your creative juices out in madness or you just couldn't stand each other anymore? And yeah, well, you know it, that, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. all for reasons. Yeah, yeah. We were fucking sick of each other. <laughs> no, because um, it's all you do, isn't it? You, you you make an album, you're doing it on a tour. You make an album. You well, you know that, go and, and 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 for sure. When I look back, we 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 were, we were existing in a sort of sixties paradigm. You know, it's like we were touring three singles, tour album, three singles, tour album, home for about two weeks a year, for five yeah. years, man. And yeah. It just got exhausting. And then our keyboard player Mike just had enough and fell in love with a girl who, and he moved to Holland. <clears throat> and it was the best thing that could have happened because we kind of stumbled on for a bit but then we just thought without him it's a bit like losing your arm or something. We stopped and that was great. We just all went back to normal life for four or five years, whatever normal life is these days. But, um, well, you say back to normal life, but I mean, it's. But you were so young when you started, you hadn't really had a normal no. life. Well, no, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever you see as normal life. Yeah. But just yeah. me not being in a pop band, you know, not being a pop star. And, you know, I remember that you know, people start moaning about being a pop star. Pavarotti or someone said, you pack it up for six months, don't worry, it'll soon go away. You see people <laughs> moaning about it. In this part of your movie, someone now yeah. is painting over the Suggs graffiti, right? <laughs> you know, council whitewashing it. <laughs> and you're walking past a, a blank wall. Oh. <laughs> And I thought, I can't do it again. No, those days are gone. What I couldn't believe is that Mike, uh, who took over from Mike, w was, was Paul Carrick from Yes, us. yeah. I, can't, I couldn't believe I never knew that. That's, that's incredible. I mean, he completely was, seems like a very <laughs> sort of serious musician. <laughs> no, I know. There was nothing better than going off stage for a fag and letting him do how long on his own. Like, go on, go on, right, Paul, right. mate. Right, right, right. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, t so guy was talking about Madstock earlier, and um, yeah, and and this this so-called story of the earthquake. Yeah, <laughs> go on, fill us in. Well, there was, and you can see it online. There's a Scottish, you know, seismologist, whatever you call him, comes down, and it's recorded as four point five on the Richter scale. We played there on the Saturday night, and then it sold out, and we played there on the Sunday night, and then there was another earthquake, and the police had to accept that. It was due to madness concert. But they evacuated all these flats at the back of the park. Because of your crowd jumping up and down, I could just... I was going to oh, say, you know... God. I know they put on a bit, but I didn't realise it was quite that much. You know? <laughs> 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 Oops, no, it is, I swear to God, you've got to look it up. Squeezing into their Harringtons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is I'm amazing. Not I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Fat, extremely fat, <laughs> bald blokes all jumping up and down at the same time. But it must have been joyous yeah. to know that that you'd been up, you'd been away for all those years. But there was a whole generation that just wanted. Now for you. sure. Yeah, we haven't played together for six or seven years, and the point of doing that it was Vince Power used to do this. Um, oh yeah. Irish festival, the, the flower, the flower. Yeah. He's, the, he's the borderline, wasn't he, Vince Power? Have I got that right? Yeah, that's right, that's yeah, right, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, but started off his second hand furniture, then country and western, and then Irish thing. And the flower we used to go to, Carl and a few of the band were Irish, so we used to go down there. And he just said, Why didn't you guys just. I said, Look, I could leave the stage up till next weekend. Won't cost you nothing. Why didn't you just do. Because we hadn't done a final gig, that was the point. We'd sort of fizzled. We hadn't told anyone that we'd split up. <laughs> so he said, right, we'll do a final gig, yeah. And that was it. And it just went off, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was um, amazing that, to see how much enthusiasm there still was for this Who supported out you on that Outfit. Show? We had everyone, didn't we? We had flipping everyone. I just, everyone I asked, you know, the pretenders. Ian Jury and the blockheads flowered up. Oh, I can't remember who else played. Then we made the mistake of asking Morrissey if he wanted to play on the Sunday. And he fucked it right up. Anyway, lo and what behold. Happened? What, lo happened? And be what happened? I can't remember. He put up a big picture of like skinheads and Union Jack flags and all that. And everyone went, what are you fucking talking about? And started throwing things at him. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, he tried right. to stir it up, you know. He just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to stir it up. The point of the matter was, yes, yeah, so at that. And then we put out another Greatest Hits. Divine Madness. <laughs> Just in case you forgot about the first one. It's got new uh, artwork. Uh, it's got new artwork and everything. Yeah. But the, the musical, uh, Our House, it's got to be one of the... Was that one of the, like, the first jukebox musicals around one band? Well, I think... No, I think ABBA and oh, then Queen. Uh, that, oh, they'd already happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, who made small fortunes. And yeah, guess yeah, what? Yeah. guess what we didn't. <laughs> but, but it, it, it was it, it, it went they're well. Looking at making a movie out of it, actually. They're, they're, they're looking, they've been talking right. about it for years. It does look like they're making a movie. It did well. It was just that we spent too much on the production. You know what I mean? Annual outgoings, one shilling and sixpence. Annual income, one shilling. But to be fair, Suggs, it's uh, because of your audience. I mean, Western musicals live on coach loads of American tours. Yeah, people yeah, from yeah. Midwest and everything. And that's, that, you know, that wasn't your, that wasn't who you sold records to. No, exactly, exactly. Totally, so, totally, 100%. Yeah. You know, we weren't really very big in America and Queen were. So, you know, I've got no disregard for the fact that they're, yeah. even though their one was shit, um, <laughs> that they're much more popular than us. You know, I've so. always, I've, it was called Our House and I've always had such a love for that record. <laughs> I, I was still living at home when that record was out and, and I was writing stuff for the next Spandau album, probably. Yeah. I remember it on Christmas Top of the Pops. And uh, yeah. and just, it was very moving. I always found that record really moving. You know, I'm sitting there with my mum and dad, you know, in our house, although it wasn't very big, but it, it was, it connected with, I felt like it connected spiritually. Where was it? You was in the Angel, uh, weren't you? Uh, no, no, Essex Road, just off Essex oh, Road. Right, yeah, yeah. In Islington, Elmore Street at that point. Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, none of us thought that that record would resonate as, as, as much as it has. Yeah, and even Carl, who wrote the words, I think would say, you know, it was a slight exaggeration onto the sort of, you know, the perfect nature of living in a house with your family. But, yeah, yeah, it's funny how it goes, man. It's funny how it goes. I mean, that was a really great... That was a great Clive Langer and Alan Winstanley production, you know, the whole arrangement. and then the, 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 Their the, productions on, your, on those sing, all those singles was amazing. Yeah. They, they were actually so... They, they were like Trevor Horn records, really, in their way. I mean, all these amazing... It still films. sounds very powerful, doesn't it? Yeah. It still sounds like got a bit of body in it, yeah. Well, yeah, but also, also the lyrics of uh, House of Fun, I mean, wow, what a <laughs> song. To write about that, you know, burgeoning sexuality and try to buy a condom. I, I remember, I remember it coming on the TV, and I actually blushed in front of my mum. <laughs> What's this all about, then, son? Yeah. <laughs> also, you remember, you know, there's that town, Gary. We played there last year. There's that town called Our House. Our house. Oh, yeah, so we yeah, couldn't yeah. stop singing it. And you could stop. And whenever anyone says our house, you can't stop but say in the middle of our street. I mean, yeah. it's... <laughs> <Aarhus>. <laughs> Tell me about it, you slags. We played there. 
Guess what we couldn't stop singing. Yeah. So can't keep doing that. Go stop singing. <laughs> How who's? I mean, it is, isn't it? It's the Scottish version yeah. of our house. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You, you, I've got to ask you about this, Suggs. Go on, rock, rock on Sane at Sen. Yeah. Did you witness the Gallagher brothers having a punch-up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we were there the day they split up. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Um, well, there was two bits to the story, and I, I'm pretty sure they're both true. <laughs> was the, we were supporting them, and then suddenly it was... Uh, announced that we weren't on the same stage as them. They wanted us to be on a smaller stage. I mean, yeah, you know, the theory might be they were worried about, you know, whether we were going to blow them off or not, which is very unlikely. Anyway, we come off stage and it's like, oh, gigs been rammed, there are people hanging out the trees on the roofs of the ice cream vans, everything. Done it, it is clang from the dressing room next door and it turns out yeah that Liam or, or Noel one or the other is it the other one over the head with his guitar I think it was Liam hit Noel wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. on, let's get it right let's get it right <laughs> and my kids had come running back and went dad I think they've had a bit of a row in the dressing room <laughs> anyway I don't know what happened after that they obviously stormed off in different directions then the promoter came up and I did feel sorry for him because he'd had I mean God bless her. He'd had Amy Winehouse on the year before and she'd blown him up. So he wasn't having a lot of luck with his main act. He said, look, is there any chance you can go on? Because Oasis have gone. I said, what do you mean they've gone? He said, they've, they've split up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. I said, well, how much were they going to get then to do the main ah, show? And he went, oh, no, you can't be like that. You can't be like that. I said, what do you mean can't be like that? So I pretended there was a taxi behind the tent and I'd gone, right, I'm off. See, as if I was in the middle of a field like that and he's running after me. He went, yes, all right, all right, all right. I won't go into the vulgar details, but it was quite a lot of money. Then I, and our road crew are going, look, don't, Suggs, they're going to murder you if you go on there. They're throwing bottles, everything, they get their hands on at the stage. But at that point, they were just pleased to see anything. I mean, Bucks Fizz could have come on and they'd have been. <laughs> but it was a sad day. Yeah, I seen him getting off the train when we got back to King's Cross and that was the end of that. Yeah, that was the end oh, of that. You wrote about it in your book, didn't you? I remember this. Remember, um, about you getting on a Eurostar and they were getting on and said the yeah. difference between the two, the two families. <laughs> you prefer yours. Our carriage was like, <laughs> just kicking up. We were falling out of the compartment all over the gap. And they were like, not talking to each other. But, you know, this is how it goes sometimes in families. We all know that. We all know that. We all know that. Yeah. Talking about our house, what about playing that on top of Buckingham Palace? I mean, yeah. that was a great moment, wasn't it? Of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it? How did it all, how did it work? How did you get up there? What was it? Well, oh, God. Brian no, May's still there. story. Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, you don't mind telling a long story, do you, sucks? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. Well, just my wife says, yeah, yeah, you really hate talking about yourself, don't you? Yeah, go on. Uh, it's called work. So we got a letter from the Queen, and you're going like that, and you're, oh, come on. And the missus, and everyone's going mad. It's a letter from the Queen. What are we going to wear? We're going to do Dear Suggs. What was it? <laughs> yeah, dear Sir Madness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of them stuff. Yeah, would you like to attend the Queen's? Of course, yeah, yeah, lovely. So we get down there for a rehearsal. Went, oh, dear, it's a bit of a problem. Said Sir Elton John and Sir Paul McCartney want to have their own piano, so there ain't no time for you to get on between. So some geezer at the back goes, well, see what, why don't we stick them on the roof? Goes, yeah. <laughs> and that's as simple as it, as it was, yeah. And they then built us a stage on the roof. I don't know if it was to try and get us out of the way, but it couldn't have been more, you know, iconic yeah. or whatever you call. That's, but that's so house, funny. Yeah. So if Paul and Elton yeah. had been prepared to share a piano. <laughs> exactly. Then we wouldn't have stolen all the limelight. They would have got a look in. That's I right. mean, is it is it is it one of the greatest moments? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I love the Queen. I'm not I'm not a mad royalist, okay, and I'm not sure where that old process is going. But I did love the Queen. 
it just worked out. Yeah, we performed good. It looked good. You know what I mean? And it's like, there we are on the roof of Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, well, yeah. I think I'd say it's not to do with being a royalist, but I say for the three of us, everyone we know, yeah. she was the one constant in our entire lives. Well, no, I think it was no doubt, The day no you doubt. were born, you know. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah. it? Twelve prime ministers came and went, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, it just, yeah, as I say, looked good. And then they did this um, projection, which I'd never seen anything like now that it was all the go, where it turned the whole back in the palace into a block of flats. You know, it just was incredible, the whole look of it. Yeah, yeah. Did it feel harder when Chaz left? Did you feel like that was, because that was such a big part of your... Yeah, to, to, to a certain extent, mate. Yeah, I mean, he went for his own reasons. I mean, he's living in Ibiza, he's doing very well. Funny enough, mostly off the song Our House because it's the biggest selling song we've ever had. So right, right, right. I'm pleased in that context. I mean, he's happy, you know, and, it, you know, just it just goes on, whatever it is, you know, and, and you can only, only kind of summarise bits of it. You can't kind of put a kind of old picture. You know, the band goes on and we go on and people like it and that's the way it is at the moment, yeah. You said in the, uh, or it said somewhere that in, in what we were shown to read was that this is the first album you've the all agreed on. Exhaustive notes we were <laughs> getting, Exhaustive yeah. notes. You, you, this is the first <laughs> album you've agreed on. I can't believe that's true, but... Is that true? <laughs> I don't know, bro. I mean, you've all... You've all you've, I anyway. didn't agree to that. They're the first notes I've agreed on. <laughs> but no, look, we did it ourselves, you know. We didn't have Clive and Alan and all the producers that we've had over the years. And it was quite good fun just doing it ourselves, yeah. And I know sometimes that can end up being a bit um, self-indulgent, but we just rented this industrial warehouse in uh, Cricklewood and... and and because there wasn't any time constraint on it, we just went on and on and on and on. Did about 40 songs, then argued and argued and argued and then got them down to about 14. And the album started to sort of form its own. We've got Martin Freeman to do a few bits and bobs. Did you Mary. have the idea of the links? The links, or did that come early? Mike Barson had that idea, our keyboard player. Yeah, because we were talking about doing it as a double album, having act one, two, three, four. I mean, a double album, come on. But anyway, then the idea of sort of interspersing bits of conversation into the... Well, you'd done that on Guess Up, hadn't you? You'd sort of... Well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, you know, just trying to make it interesting, aren't you? That's all you're trying to do. Make Helen Mirren, getting Helen Mirren. That was... That, how did that, that wasn't happen? bad. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Read, she reads the could... lyrics on a video, right, of Celeve. Yeah. Have you not seen it? No. I have. I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then it's I can't... It's because can't get her away from me. I said, Helen, please, pack it up, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Where did you meet her? How Beat did it Yeah. It's over. It's over, Helen, I said. Helen. Helen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, and I can't, I can't go there. Pete and, Pete and what's it? Pete, yeah, Pete and Dud. Yes, what's yeah. it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Tap, 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 she goes. <laughs> tap, tap, tap on the window. Not that. <laughs> Put your clothes back on and now for. <laughs> i got a small house in Italy and she lives down the road from me and I got to know her. And she's a very nice, very, very nice person and just agreed to do it. So that's it. Beautiful. Suggs, thanks for coming on, man. That there you so go, great. mate. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, great, yeah, yeah. Great talking to you, Good mate. fun, it was. As yeah. ever. As Good ever. luck with the album. When you're going on tour, doing a Christmas tour, aren't you? We're just it's about great. to get off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all going well. All sold out and all that and all that and all It's all good. Ah, he's a jovial bloke. You know, he's got some great stories, hasn't he? I bet he's good round a Christmas table. He's very good round a Christmas table. Um, ebullient, I would say, is the word. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just the way my trousers hang. Is that what they taught you at Waterloo? <laughs> Words like that. Um, anyway, thank you to our producer, Ben Jones, and uh, for Gimme Sugar. And um, it's we, we enjoy this, don't we? We love it. We love it, well, especially when it's like that. Then that really was. For, that was that was just like a. It was like being at a great lunch, wasn't it? It was. It was. Except certainly was for him. Yeah, and you haven't paid the bill again. <laughs> yeah. The next one's on you. I promise. Good night from me. And good night from them. Rock on Tours is produced by Gimme Sugar Productions for Warner Music Group UK.